What is my biomarker? It is one of the most important questions that any lung cancer patient can ask, but it's especially important for Black Americans and those living in underserved communities. I'm Diane Mulligan. And I'm Sarah Beatty. It is so important because biomarkers may lead to targeted therapies that can add years to the lives of some lung cancer patients. Those patients, given one of the oral targeted agents for that specific type of lung cancer, the five-year survival rate, as far as we can tell uh, from old clinical trials, is in excess of 60%. Lung cancer is a tough topic. It's a disease that affects patients, families, friends, co-workers. But first, it's a disease that affects people. The Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast brings you stories about people living, truly living with lung cancer, the researchers dedicated to finding new breakthrough treatments, and others who are working to bring hope into the lung cancer experience. Today, we have the pleasure of hearing from three Black Americans on the topic of lung cancer treatment for minority communities and why knowing to ask, what is my biomarker, is so important. We will hear from Dr. Raymond Osaro-Giagban of Baptist Memorial Healthcare in Memphis, Tennessee, a little later. But first, Dr. Sidney Barnett, a doctor of internal medicine and a hospitalist at Ann Arundel Medical Center in Annapolis, Maryland, has one of the most interesting perspectives on why every American, especially those who are Black and African-American, should ask, what is my biomarker? She's a doctor and a lung cancer patient and a member of the LCFA Speakers Bureau. You know, Sarah, listening to her and to lung cancer patient and LCFA Speakers Bureau member Brandy Bryant about their care and what a difference knowing their biomarkers made and maybe even more importantly, how every Black or African-American should ask that question really drives home the point that minority and underserved communities must advocate for themselves to get the best treatments that can increase the quality of their lives. Dr. Barnett, you're a doctor and a lung cancer patient. That's a unique combination that we haven't really had before on the Hope With Answers podcast. I'd love to hear your story. So I'm originally from Jamaica and I've always been pretty active. I danced, swam, ran 5Ks. In 2016, when I was still living in Jamaica, I noticed that my exercise tolerance, I was just getting really short of breath with my runs. And I thought it was just because I was probably out of shape. But one night I woke up extremely short of breath and decided that I was going to get an x-ray when I went into work the following day. They did the x-ray, saw what they thought was walking pneumonia, treated me for that. But the symptoms kind of just didn't really go away. I started coughing. They treated me with steroids. And I was migrating to D.C. for my residency. So I said, you know, I'll follow up with a doctor when I get there. Of course, internship is chaotic and working 80 hour weeks, I didn't get the chance to go right away. But I started wheezing and I was like, okay, you know, I have a strong family history of asthma. With that abnormal x-ray, let me go to uh, a lung doctor to kind of take a look at that. 
And they worked me up thinking I was having asthma and we repeated a chest x-ray and I saw that the same abnormality I had the year before was still there. So I said to her, I was like, there's something in my chest, I need a CT. And we did the CT and actually what we found was the mass in my chest was compressing my airway and that was the reason I was wheezing. Yeah. And I can say after a a whirlwind of tests, I mean, literally from the time I did the x-ray to the time that they told me it was stage four lung cancer was probably a month. And it was just shocking to me because my friends in Jamaica can tell you, I was very obnoxious about smoking. I used to break cigarettes. I used to tell them, don't come anywhere near me. Why are you sucking on that cancer stick? So it was very ironic that I was diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, Thankfully, I was found to have a biomarker. So I am out positive. I'm able to take targeted therapy that just pinpoints that mutation. And it's oral, so I was able to continue residency. I still I still work. I work as a hospitalist now. And, you know, that made such a world of difference for me in terms of my quality of life. I think that's great. Um, and thank you for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Brandy, you have a very unique story, too. And biomarkers are part of your story. Yes, biomarkers are a very important part of my story. My story is quite similar to Dr. Barnett's, actually. I was not as active as Dr. (laughs) Barnett. However, I was a a power walker, we should say. I was walking up to 40 miles per week every week. And during those walks, I would actually be fine. Like, I, I wouldn't notice shortness of breath until I would get home and I'd be talking on the phone. And looking back, I realized I also had like a persistent cough that I had just kind of ignored because I'm a busy mom of four and the cough was more nagging and it would be like at night, but it it didn't interrupt my daily life. So I paid no attention to it. Um, But it wasn't until I had the shortness of breath that I thought, oh my goodness, I can't, you know, I'm like trying to talk to my mom and I, and I, and I couldn't catch my breath and that frightened me enough to go ahead and call my doctor, prioritize myself (laughs) uh, and call my doctor. And my doctor was really proactive. He said that black women your age are at risk for sarcoidosis. So he wanted me to get an X-ray. I got the X-ray now this, and they thought that I had pneumonia uh, similar to your story. Um, And Mine took a little bit longer, but, you know, after referrals and a series of tests and CT scans, much the same, CT scan is like something was there. And the odd thing is one of the doctors told me this, you know, you have no risk factors. There's no way it's lung cancer. (laughs) But after, you know, after she saw the CT scan, her entire demeanor changed and she said, we need to get a biopsy. But she didn't give me any hope or ideas of what she was possibly looking for. Um, but yeah, after the CT scan and biopsy, from the time I initially went to the doctor with my symptoms, it took about three months, three months before I was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer as well. And just like Sydney, um, the biomarker testing happened without me even knowing it. I was really fortunate to be at a community hospital that immediately sent my my sample off. I had no idea because when you're diagnosed, you're you're in a in shock, 
right? But that was a critical part of my treatment without me even knowing it. And although I originally started with chemo and radiation, thanks to my biomarker testing, much like Sydney, I was able to um, take a targeted therapy when I was at stage four. And I've had a great quality of life for the past four years. I've been able to watch my kids grow up, graduate. I mean, they're not all grown, but you know, I'm just watching them complete these milestones. And that's really something I'm quite thankful for, that the research has made it to this point, because whenever I was diagnosed, the, te- the drug that I'm on had just been approved. That's that's very hopeful, right? Your story is very hopeful. Now, I want to go back a bit, though. Dr. Barnett, some people may not know what a biomarker is or why it's important to find out about one. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So each cancer is pretty unique. And what you can find is you can find specific traits that can tell you how a cancer works. So for instance, Brandy and I have ALK, but there are other biomarkers such as EGFR, KRAS, that, you know, they are drivers of the cancer. But if you're able to find that driver, that mutation, that biomarker, then you can take targeted therapy, which is for us a pill. And, you know, we take that twice a day. And it tends to be a better quality of life versus doing the traditional therapies such as chemotherapy or even immunotherapy. And I think that that's one of the main things that I do tell you know any patient who's diagnosed with lung cancer is that they should get biomarker testing um, just to find out what are the different specific things about your cancer that you know could potentially help with your treatment. It's it's very important. It is important, and I know that. It's one of the messages that you give. What other messages do you have for black Americans specifically? So there are many issues that happen with black Americans. I mean, lung cancer is a very is a leading cause of death for for a lot of people, but especially black Americans. And and unfortunately, one of the aspects of it is the disparity in terms of treatments that they get. So I do think that, you know, I would want them to be educated to know that, you know, don't discount a cough, don't discount shortness of breath, don't discount wheezing and just think, oh, you know, it, it's it's nothing. Go to your doctors, you know, tell them I've ha- I've been having these symptoms. They're not going away. Can we get image? And, you know, if they're doing this workup, you know, unfortunately for potentially lung cancer, demand that they do biomarker testing so that, you know, that could ultimately be a change of outcome in terms of your survival. Is it as simple as asking, what is my biomarker? Yes, it is very simple to ask that. You know, um, a lot of the times, unfortunately, uh, you know, in community centers especially, uh, people are not being sent for biomarker testing. So having the public being educated about it sometimes will help to nudge these community doctors to get the biomarker test for their patients, especially if the knowledge is out there. A lot of people know about immunotherapy because they have seen Keytruda ads and they know to ask their doctors, oh, so what about immunotherapy? Biomarkers should be the same. We need to say, hey, you know, you're just you're telling me I have lung cancer. I've heard about biomarkers. So do I have a biomarker? And if if 
they haven't tested you, can I get tested for a biomarker? Because in my experience, I would not have been able to complete residency had I had to do chemotherapy and all of that stuff. I would have been too tired. I mean, there's no way I could have done chemotherapy with 80-hour work weeks. But I was able to complete my residency with no time off because all I had to do was take a targeted therapy. And I've been taking that same targeted therapy for five years now, and I've had a wonderful response. So most important thing, what is my biomarker? Absolutely. That's it. And would it, have, would it have made a difference for you, Brandy, had you known your biomarker earlier? Would it have made a better quality of life? Or did you... You know, you said that they tested and you didn't even know that they tested. Did they tell you what your biomarker was? No, no. And I and I wish I would have known whenever I was first diagnosed how important that was and how much I actually could have fought um, to not have to do chemo and radiation for those six weeks um, because I ended up on the the targeted therapy anyway. But it would have made a huge difference in me not having to be so sick. I was sick for quite a while due to due to that that initial treatment. But the biomarker testing, you just have to you have to ask. <laughs> like if you know if you if you're diagnosed really with any type of cancer, ask what your tumor is being tested for. Ask just and they will figure it out. Like you don't have to know the exact name of the test. Just say what are you testing my tumor for? And then you can take the time to go and look it up later. But that biomarker, the targeted therapy that I'm on right now completely changed the game for me. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Explain to me what targeted therapy looks like for you. So for me, I'm on, we're, we're both out positive, but I'm on a different drug than um, Dr. Barnett. But for me, I take four pills in the morning with food and four pills at night. So it's 12 hours spaced. And really, I wanted to say the side effects are minimal. Like as long as I've been on it, I don't even notice them anymore. <laughs> you know, you're a little more tired, but you just keep, keep moving. And, and, and that, I mean, like I'm fighting stage four cancer <laughs> and you would have no idea. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so exactly. I'm very thankful for the research that got us to this point, And I'm really excited about more research to come. And research has come so far that now we have these treatments that you're talking about and and we know that there are many clinical trials out there, so we're on the cusp of moving even further. I'm wondering, Brandy, what does research mean to you? Research to me is hope, like in big capital letters. Research is hope. Research has me sitting here today. Research will hopefully have me sitting here in hashtag give me 20, give me 20 years post-diagnosis. I am confident that the, the things that these researchers are working on, especially the ones that are funded by Lung Cancer Foundation of America, we're, I'm excited. And I'm excited that I'll get to see all of my kids graduate from high school and college. And I don't care if they get married and have kids, but <laughs> I just want to be may there. Later. I, I may later. <laughs> I just want to be there. Like my mom has been able to be there for me. Yeah. So that's what research means to me is like, I'm going to be here. When Brandy said, I just want to be here, like my mom has been there for me, it really brought home how important it is for lung cancer patients, especially those in underserved communities, to ask the right questions like, what is my biomarker? And it really struck me when Dr. Barnett talked about being able to continue her medical residency 
because of the targeted therapy that was so much easier for her to tolerate. Now, whenever we have the pleasure of interviewing our next guest, Dr. Raymond Asara Giagbon of Memorial Baptist Memorial Healthcare, it is like taking a master class in the latest lung cancer research. It really is. Dr. Osaro Giagbon dives into not only the importance of asking, what is my biomarker, but why it is essential that Black and African Americans make this question a priority and not assume that the doctor is making the request. So the first question that we have for you as LCFA is working to educate Black Americans who are diagnosed with lung cancer is helping them think or know to ask the question, what is my biomarker? So can you talk to us about what a biomarker is? And after someone finds out about biomarker testing, what are, what are some of the barriers that people, that Black Americans face to getting biomarker testing? Yeah, thank you. Uh, what is a biomarker? Um, a biomarker is a test that you can use to identify the presence of a disease and predict its future behavior. So for lung cancer, we're really excited. There are lots of biomarkers that have come to help us um, split what used to be a single disease into many different bits of different sizes uh, that allows us to predict how the cancer is going to behave and what treatment is most likely to benefit the patient uh, um, in terms of surviving the cancer and the quality of life um, in response to cancer treatment. Uh, for African-Americans, like anybody else uh, who are diagnosed with lung cancer, understanding what the best treatment is likely to be, how the cancer is likely to behave, um, how likely we are to be able to overcome the cancer, obviously is at the heart of the matter. Uh, no different for African-Americans than it is for anybody else. So um, African-Americans, like anybody else who are unfortunately diagnosed with a lung cancer should be asking the question, what type of lung cancer do I have, including what type of biomarker subset of lung cancer do I have in order to know what is the best treatment for my lung cancer? We know, unfortunately, that all of this is still relatively new. Doctors and healthcare systems are still learning about the importance of biomarkers. And therefore, like anything new, it takes a while for everybody to be aware, for everybody to gain access. And the usual people who get left behind, um, the poor, the relatively um, underinsured, the less well-educated, and yes, indeed, African-Americans um, oftentimes get left behind with these innovations, such as biomarker testing. The barriers really, in my mind, are provider and institution and policy-based. I, I do not think it is fair to talk about person-level barriers. Um, a patient diagnosed with lung cancer, black or white, does not really um, want to get inferior care. If inferior care is provided, I think we have to turn squarely on the clinicians and the healthcare systems and maybe our social policies that, that uh, drive who pays for what to, to ask the question, why are you not providing uniform access to people? 
So at the provider level, there is a real challenge. Uh, doctors just don't know as well as, as much as you would imagine that they should. Um, again, this is relatively new information. It is moving very fast. So not everybody can keep up with this uh, rapidly evolving knowledge base. Uh, in particular, uh, uh, do cancer doctors who do a little bit of cancer here and there uh, may not be fully aware of this fast-moving space that is lung cancer. So if you're seeing a general oncologist, chances are you need to be really pushy about asking to make sure you get the right testing to get the right treatment. Uh, chances are if you're seeing a, 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 a thoracic oncologist, a, a cancer doctor that specializes in lung cancer, you are way more likely to get the right test done leading to the right treatment. So that's a, an example of provider level uh, barriers. Um, institutional level barriers also exist because these tests, uh, they, they may be done in-house within the hospital's uh, pathology lab, but in most cases, most institutions don't have the ability to do these tests. They have to be done by an external third-party vendor um, if between the provider and the healthcare system, there has not been an effort made to organize how you get the right patients tested, then it is much more likely that patients will fall through the cracks and never get their biomarker tested. So again, speaking about African-Americans, where do African-American lung cancer patients tend to go for their care? It tends not to be the comprehensive cancer centers, the NCI designated cancer centers, where you're more likely to find thoracic specialist uh, cancer doctors who specialize in lung cancer. Uh, they tend to go to smaller practices, community-based practices, uh, practices that quite frankly tend to provide care for uh, relatively underinsured people. So they tend to lack the infrastructure to get testing done. That is actually a much bigger barrier uh, that, that needs to be fully acknowledged. And, and then at the policy level, uh, society level, uh, biomarker testing is relatively new and new things tend to be somewhat more expensive. So people who are underinsured may find it harder uh, because uh, still, uh, even to, in today's world, some insurance companies may be more resistant to providing coverage for the types of biomarker tests that we are increasingly demanding for our patients. And unfortunately, we know that African-Americans are less likely to be fully insured uh, than um, others because of the socioeconomic and longstanding you know, um, racism that has existed in this country that has led people to be uh, socioeconomically challenged. I think those are all great points. And, and you know, Brandy um, Bryant, who we talked to earlier in the podcast, talked about how she was put on chemo immediately. Um, can you talk a little bit about how important it is to truly understand what type of, of cancer you have by asking what is my biomarker? And then also the importance of clinical trials so that you are getting the most cutting edge treatment that you can possibly get. Yes, a big, big deal. So the issue of what treatment to give uh, is, is vital. We are really excited that we're moving rapidly 
in the lung cancer world from the dark ages where all we had was, you know, chemotherapy that had whatever benefit it had, but came with a lot of uh, side effects. And, and that benefit uh, was really limited to a world in which uh, you can actually find different types of lung cancer that you can use a specific treatment for. I'll give you an example about the benefit we're talking about. If, we, if we're talking about patients with stage four lung cancer, if you took all of them together and you just look at those who get chemotherapy, uh, not distinguishing the this, this subset of lung cancer, just give everybody chemotherapy and that's it. The aggregate five-year survival of people treated that way, stage four lung cancer, the most advanced stage, is about four, maybe if you want to be generous, up to 6%. That's um, four to 6% of such patients um, who don't have any characterization of their lung cancer, just lung cancer, stage four, and we give you chemotherapy, four to 6% can expect to survive five years. Now, if you look at the subsets of lung cancer that we're talking about, so for example, the subset of lung cancer that has the ALK mutation, um, which is present in, we think, anywhere from two to 7% of all patients with lung cancer, those patients, given one of the oral targeted agents for that specific type of lung cancer, the five-year survival rate, as far as we can tell uh, from old clinical trials, is in excess of 60%. Wow. So you go from four to six percent five-year survival to up to sixty percent if you get the right treatment for the right cancer. As with alt-mutated lung cancer, so with some of the other subsets, the EGFR mutated lung cancers, the ROS1 mutated lung cancers, the BRAF mutated lung cancers, the RET the MET exon 14 mutated lung cancer. All, there are at least nine subsets of biomarker-driven uh, lung cancers, and that continues to change all the time. So that's why it's vital that we get uh, tested so we know which treatment would benefit us. Now, it, it is true, though, that the biomarker test results sometimes can take a few weeks to get back, and there's the natural fear that, okay, wait a minute, you just told me I got stage four lung cancer. I know lung cancer kills. Now we hurried up to find out I had lung cancer. You're going to tell me to wait? How, how is that even sensible? And the answer is it depends. Now, if you have a lot of symptoms, so basically the lung cancer has clearly grabbed hold of you and it's dragging you down a hole. Yes, indeed, we may not have two, three weeks to wait on a biomarker test result. And our hand is forced. We have to rescue and chemotherapy, we know, can buy us some time. But that is the minority of patients. Uh, in most cases, patients do have the luxury of a few weeks here and there to wait. And the point we need to emphasize is that that wait, as uncomfortable as it might be, is very well worth doing. And I will tell you, as a lung cancer physician, that most of my patients are willing to wait. When they know that the difference we're talking about is the possibility of taking a pill once or twice a day with this tremendous possibility of benefit versus coming in every three weeks to my chemotherapy shop to get IV fluids with all the side effects, uh, IV uh, infusions with all the side effects and all of that. Most people are very happy to wait. 
So you have walked through some really wonderful information about chemotherapy here and the difference between a targeted therapy and chemotherapy. Um, and I want to pull out just a couple of terms that you used that I think are really, really important here. Thoracic oncologist is a lung cancer specialist. That's what you are. That's the type of doctor who specializes only in lung cancer. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, diseases of the chest, the vast majority of which are lung cancer. Um, there are also a few others like mesothelioma, thymomas, and even esophageal cancer. But the, the, the 800-pound gorilla in thoracic oncology is obviously lung cancer. By far and away, there are more lung cancer patients, and we hope more lung cancer survivors than any of the others. So yes, essentially, that is correct. Um, that term is, is important because of the rampaging increased complexity of lung cancer. You know, unfortunately, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, lung cancer was very simple. Um, you had stage four lung cancer, which was what almost half of the patients had at the first diagnosis. And then the others would eventually behave that way later on. And uh, you got some treatment for a while and then you died. The range of treatments uh, was very narrow. Uh, we had a platinum drug, and then something we added to it. And then later on, we were very excited. There was a third drug uh, that kind of helped uh, the chemotherapy do better. But, you know, we talked about what you look forward to um, with all of that. Now, we're not talking about a single monolith. We're talking about fragments of cancer. Some of these cancers are relatively rare. You talk about lung, rare lung cancer. You know, so for example, N-track mutations, which is a sub subset of lung cancer with a specific gene mutation, you find in less than 1% of lung cancer patients. It's actually less than half of 1% of lung cancer patients. You will never find that cancer to treat it if you're not looking for it, right? Um, you know, so, so it takes a thoracic oncologist, or at least somebody who continues to stay on top of the fast moving knowledge about lung cancer to be able to provide you that access. Uh, every six months, there's a new biomarker for which, uh, you know, the FDA literally gives permission to begin to use it. And, and, you know, fast moving knowledge. We don't blame people for not being able to keep abreast with everything. But what we need to do is protect our patients by making sure that they gain access to the knowledge that exists on earth when their cancer is diagnosed. And so it sounds like um, from this discussion, because sometimes chemotherapy does get a bad reputation and you've mentioned that it can have some significant side effects. But if I understand you correctly, you're saying that chemotherapy may be the appropriate treatment if someone is working with a doctor who really understands lung cancer, the doctor has checked for biomarkers and then, then made a treatment plan based on the presence or the absence of a biomarker. And yes. then chemotherapy might be the right route or another therapy might be a better route. Is that true? That is correct. Um, so the role of chemotherapy as first line treatment by itself in lung cancer is actually shrinking fast. 
because as every six months, a new biomarker-driven treatment uh, is approved by FDA. It's like a pizza with multiple slices. Um, the the slide, it used to be the whole pizza was chemotherapy. It's now, by my estimation, about, about 25% of the whole pizza. So the challenge again is that the other slices of the pizza are some are thinner than others. Um, you know, there's, uh, there, there are just several different types. Now, we want to make sure people understand that, that what we're saying is that we want to be able to know what the cancer is all about. That's why we're saying do this biomarker testing. Now, most biomarker tests are for gene mutations, but there's also a protein test we use to try to predict how likely somebody will respond to immunotherapy, which is another class of drugs that we use. Uh, not chemotherapy, it's a class of drugs that helps the immune system fight against the cancer better. And that when we're talking about biomarker testing, I wanna make sure we don't forget that. Okay, um, but the, the point though is that chemotherapy has its place. It's just that it's used by itself continues to shrink. We oftentimes will use, when we have to use chemotherapy in the first line, oftentimes we would prefer to combine it with immunotherapy because we know that immunotherapy combined with chemotherapy makes chemotherapy way more effective than chemotherapy by itself. Uh, uh, and then the other thing is that there are people for whom immunotherapy by itself is good enough and they don't need chemotherapy. So we, we are grateful for all the knowledge and the, the, the help that chemotherapy has provided us and our patients over many decades. But we're also excited that we're moving into a new world in which chemotherapy may or may not be needed. Uh, so we have more options and we wanna make sure our African-American patients like everybody else gains access to that full range of options. Thank you to Dr. Osaro Giagvan of Baptist Memorial Healthcare, lung cancer patient, Dr. Sydney Barnett with Aaron, Anne Arundel Medical Center and lung cancer patient, Brandy Bryant, for sharing the importance for everyone, but especially black Americans and those who are underserved to ask, what is my biomarker? And if you're enjoying the Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast, consider making a donation to help LCFA produce this resource for patients or anyone seeking answers, hope, and access to updated treatment information, scientific investigation, and clinical trials. Just text LCFA to 41444 to join in this important fight. Make sure to subscribe to the Hope With Answers Living With Lung Cancer podcast. You'll be notified every time a new episode is available. So visit us online at lcfamerica.org where you can find more information about the latest in lung cancer research, new treatments, and more. You can also join the conversation with LCFA on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.